1: Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton.
2: God says that over and over in chapter 4. Each of these things that came upon the nation did not cause the nation to turn back to the Lord. That was the purpose of the chastening. That's always the purpose of God's chastening, either upon a nation or upon an individual. The Bible says that the Lord chastens whom He loves... And the purpose of the chastening is to bring us to repentance and cause us to turn back to the Lord.
1: What does it mean to seek God? To truly seek God means seeking good, doing justice and righteousness, worshiping Him in the right way, and seeking His Word. Today, Pastor Dan will be reading through the book of Amos, where you will see examples of God's justice and judgment for the Israelites. Now, Amos had a particular message for Israel, that God assigned him to preach among them, which was, Seek God and live. But Israel doesn't seek God, and his judgment comes just as he told them. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Amos chapter 5 for today's edition of Ring of Truth.
2: So we're going through the Old Testament, 2 Chronicles 7, Amos chapter 5. Well, just as a review, remember Amos was a prophet called by God to minister to the northern kingdom of Israel. In chapters 3 to 5, we have a new section that we started last week. And here in these chapters 3 to 5, God lays out his indictment against the Northern kingdom. And he calls the Northern kingdom to listen to his indictment. Uh, He begins each of these three chapters with the words, hear this word. Listen to what I am saying to you. Listen to what I am telling you, God says, you know, kind of like when you speak to your young children, give me your attention. Listen to what I'm saying to you, right? In chapter 4, God listed the trouble that he sent upon the nation of Israel, the northern kingdom, and he sent a trouble upon the nation to get their attention, to cause them to repent and turn back to the Lord. And God lists that for us in chapter 4. He tells us he sent a famine upon the nation. There was a scarcity of food. There was a scarcity of basic necessities like bread. You couldn't buy a loaf of bread. The grocery store shelves were empty. I'm talking about Israel, right? (laughs) Then he sent a drought, but he didn't send a drought to the whole nation. He sent a drought to parts of the nation. So that parts of the nation suffered, uh, you know, natural disasters. And in those parts of the nation, their crops were destroyed and their economy was destroyed. And people from those parts of the nation had to flee and leave and go live in other parts of the country. He sent disease upon their crops and locusts, which again, when you read that in the Old Testament, it's an agrarian economy. That's saying the economy is impacted. So the the country suddenly is struggling economically. He sent a plague upon the nation that caused many people to die. Uh, he allowed some of the cities to be destroyed and become uninhabitable. God chastened the nation with these things, and these things happened kind of one right after another after another. And remember, when Amos declares this prophecy, he's talking about what's to come upon the nation. As he declares this prophecy, though, the nation was experiencing great prosperity, great wealth, great success, great security. But within a short period of time, the nation went from great prosperity and security and strength to crisis after crisis after crisis. And all of these problems that hit the nation, the economic problems, the military problems, the security problems, the disease, they were all the result of the nation turning away from God. The, problem, the problems in the nation were spiritual. And I want you to understand that they weren't the result of bad policy or just, you know, a series of unfortunate incidents that just coincidentally happened at the same time. The Lord was chastening the nation. And yet the people of Israel dismissed them all. The people dismissed them. The people didn't see it as God's chastening on the nation. And so the nation did not turn back. To the Lord. Uh, the phrase that is repeated by the Lord in chapter four is Yet you have not returned to me. Yet you have not returned to me. God says that over and over in chapter four. Each of these things that came upon the nation did not cause the nation to turn back to the Lord. That was the purpose of the chastening. That's always the purpose of God's chastening either upon a nation or upon an individual. The Bible says that the Lord chastens whom he loves, and the purpose of the chastening is to bring us to repentance and cause us to turn back to the Lord. The wonderful news is if a person is away from God or a nation turns away from God, at any moment we can repent and turn back to the Lord and God so graciously receives us. And restores us back to favor. Now as we go through these chapters and we read what was happening in Israel. And how Israel turned away from God. And the way God chastened the nation. We can see the similarities in our own nation, can't we? It's obvious to see the parallels here. And so chapter 5 now begins, as this continues. Chapter 5 begins... Hear this word. Listen to me, God is saying. Listen to what I am telling you. Hear this word, which I take up against you, a lamentation, O house of Israel. The Lord has Amos seeing a lamentation or a funeral dirge for the nation because the nation was dying. Again, the nation was very prosperous when Amos breaks into this funeral song. Some scholars believe Amos sang this funeral dirge at one of the religious feasts when the whole nation was gathered together and everyone was there celebrating and rejoicing. And then you've got Amos there in the crowd and he starts singing a lamentation for the nation because the nation was dying. The nation was dying and they didn't know they were dying. The nation was dying and they didn't believe they were dying. Verse 2, here's his lamentation, here's his song. The virgin of Israel has fallen, she will rise no more. She lies forsaken on her land, there is no one to raise her up. Now the word, the use of the word virgin here, the virgin of Israel, it means, it's referring to someone who is unmarried, someone who is young. Uh, The idea here is someone that has their whole life ahead of them. And their death is tragic. And he's describing Israel here as the virgin of Israel. That is to say, Israel was going into her prime as a nation. Israel had so much going for her, so many years still ahead of her as a nation when she was destroyed. Israel has fallen, he says. Israel will fall by the sword of the Assyrians. And she will rise no more. Now, that doesn't mean Israel will never exist again as a nation. Obviously, there's an Israel today. Neither does it mean that God is finished with Israel. In fact, if you just look over in chapter 9, just turn a couple pages in your Bible. Amos chapter 9. Look at the last two verses of the book of Amos. Verse 14. I will bring back the captives of my people Israel. They shall build the waste cities and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and drink wine from them. They shall also make gardens and eat fruit from them. I will plant them in their land and no longer shall they be pulled up from the land I have given them, says the Lord your God. So the last promise of the book of Amos is one day God will restore Israel to their own land and God promises that Israel will no longer be pulled up from the land that God will give them. So here in chapter 5, When the Lord says she will rise no more, the Lord means Israel will not recover in their current form. They're not going to be the same nation after their captivity in Assyria. It says she lies forsaken on her land. There is no one to Raise her up. And the picture here is no one will come to help Israel. No one will come to her aid. And this was true when Assyria invaded the land of Israel. No one came to help her. The king of Israel even sent messengers to Egypt asking Egypt to send help. And Egypt did not send help. Nobody helped Israel. Uh, we know the Bible tells us that during the tribulation period that will come at the end of this age, that seven year period when God pours out his wrath upon this Christ rejecting world. It's known as the time of Jacob's trouble, Israel's trouble. And once again, Israel will be alone. All the nations of the world will turn against Israel. Israel will be alone in the world and no one will come to aid her except for Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ will come back to rescue Israel and defend Israel from her enemies at the battle of Armageddon and deliver Israel once and for all. Verse three says, for thus says the Lord, the city that goes out by a thousand, speaking of the captivity, shall have a hundred left. That which goes out by a hundred shall have ten left to the house of Israel. Israel will experience a 90% loss to the Assyrians. They'll be completely decimated as a people. Now, during the Holocaust of the 20th century, about two-thirds of the Jewish people living in Europe were murdered by the Nazis. You know, roughly 66%. With the Assyrians, it was 90% of the population. Do you understand it's a miracle of God that the Jewish people even exist today? After all of the Holocaust they've gone through as a people? It's miraculous.
1: You're listening to Ring of Truth
2: You can email me through our website at calvaryec.com. That's calvaryec.com.
1: Thanks, Pastor Dan. Now let's join him again for the conclusion of today's edition of Ring of Truth.
2: So now, verse four, look at verse four. For thus says the Lord in the house of Israel seek me and live. Here's the appeal from the Lord. The Lord tells them, he says, he begins, hear this word, listen to what I am telling you. On the current path you're on as a nation, you're going to be destroyed. But if you seek me, you'll live. If you turn back to me as a nation, you will live. I will deliver you, God says. Now turn over to 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, you probably know. And some of you are even thinking, oh, he's going to go to verse 14. I know he's going to read that verse 14. This is, of course, it's perfect. He's going to read verse 14. Actually, I'm going to take you to verse 13 first. <laughs> Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 13. Get the context of verse 14. We hear verse 14 all the time. We read verse 14. We see it on, you know, stickers and shirts and stuff. But verse 13 says, When I shut up heaven... And there is no rain, which, again, destroys your economy. Or command the locusts to devour the land. Or send pestilence send disease among my people. So that's the context. When these things happen in the nation, when your economy tanks, when there's disease and pestilence, killing people in your land, this should cause God's people to seek the Lord. This should bring us to verse 14 now. When that happens now, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Look at God's promise in verse 14. He says, when you see these things happening in your nation, the promise is if his people seek him, repent of sins, he will hear from heaven and he will heal the land. Now, these things were happening in Israel, as we've seen in the book of Amos. These very things were happening. Now, are these kinds of things happening in our nation? I would say, yes, they are. And so what should God's people do? How do we respond? Well, God's people should pray. We should pray for our nation. We should seek the Lord on behalf of our nation because that's the solution. That's the solution that God offers. The problems Israel experienced, and I believe the problems our nation is experiencing, are spiritual in origin. They are resolved by seeking the Lord. That is the solution to it. Not by different economic policies. Not by the next election cycle. But by seeking the Lord. Now look at verse 15. Look at what God says in verse 15. We're still in 2 Chronicles 7, verse 15. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to prayer made in this place. Do you see what God says there? I'll be watching for you to pray. I'll be listening for my people to call upon me. I've given you the answer. I've given you the solution. Now go back to Amos chapter 5. Amos chapter 5, the Lord says, seek me and live. The course you're on leads to destruction, but if you seek me, you'll live. Now look what he says in verse 5, chapter 5, verse 5. But do not seek Bethel, nor enter Gilgal, nor pass over to Beersheba, Beersheba, For Gilgal shall surely go into captivity, and Bethel shall come to nothing. Here's what the Lord says. Seek me and you'll live. Don't go back to those same places and those same things you went to before to save you. They didn't save you before. They're not going to save you now. You need to seek the Lord. Now, verse 5, you should... Note it in your Bible. These three locations that the Lord mentions here, Bethel, Gilgal, and Beersheba, these three places were very important places in Israel's national history. Bethel is where Abraham sought the Lord when he returned from Egypt. Remember, he goes down, he lies about his wife, and then he comes back. He gets to Bethel, and he builds an altar there, and he seeks the Lord. Uh, Bethel is where Jacob saw the ladder to heaven. It's where God met with Jacob and spoke to Jacob. It's where God promised Jacob to give him the land and to his descendants. Later in Israel's history, listen to this. Later in Israel's history in Judges chapter 20, when the nation faced troubling times, the people would go to Bethel to seek the Lord for answers. To seek counsel from the Lord. You know, the the Lord spoke to our father Abraham at Bethel and Jacob. And so the people would go to Bethel to ask counsel of God when the nation found itself in troubling times. Isn't that great? But, but here's the deal. In the days of Amos, the people of Israel, they erected a golden calf at Bethel and said, Yahweh is no longer your God. This golden calf is your God. And it became a place of idol worship. And people went there to seek guidance from the golden calf. And not the Lord God. Gilgal, that was the first camp of the children of Israel after they entered the promised land under the leadership of Joshua. It's where Israel set up the 12 stones that they collected out of the Jordan River as a memorial Of God bringing them into the promised land. It's where they celebrated the first Passover. In the promised land. It's where the manna ceased. From Gilgal Israel set out to conquer the land. In Amos' day Gilgal was a center of idol worship. God had done all these great things at Gilgal in the past. The, The nation had so much history there. At the founding of their nation. And now it was a place of idol worship. Beersheba, if you know your geography, was actually in the southern part of the southern kingdom. It's not even in the northern kingdom. But apparently people living in the northern kingdom would go down to Beersheba. Abraham lived in Beersheba. He dug a well there. That well is still there in Beersheba today. Isaac lived in Beersheba. Jacob departed for Haran from Beersheba. When Jacob was on his way down to Egypt, he stopped to make an offering there and seek the Lord before departing to Egypt. It was kind of like the last stop heading south towards Egypt before leaving the promised land. He stops there to seek the Lord. But in Amos' time, Beersheba was a place of idolatry. Listen to me. Each of these places were important in Israel's national history. They played an important role in Israel's story of becoming A nation. But now we're coming to the end of the nation of Israel. And I want you to see this. That as the nation of Israel was dying as a nation. As they were nearing the end. Israel destroyed their godly history. All of that history was erased. All of it was forgotten. All of it was rewritten. And these places were redefined. They became known for their worship of other gods. Now, previous generations appreciated their significance in their national history, but all of that history was thrown away by one generation, the last generation. In verse 6, the Lord repeats his plea with the nation to seek him. Seek the Lord and live, lest he break out like fire in the house of Joseph and devour it with no one to quench it in Bethel. Now, the two tribes, Manasseh and Ephraim of Joseph, that was the main population of the northern tribes, the northern kingdom, were from Joseph. And here the Lord says, seek me and live, lest the Lord devours the nation like a wildfire, and no one will quench it. And he makes a point to say, Bethel will not help you. The the answer is not in Bethel. The answer is the Lord seeking him. Verse 7, you who turn justice to wormwood and lay righteousness to rest in the earth. Again, he's talking about the nation and wormwood is bitter. The nation, as it was in its last days as a nation, as it was declining, the nation turned justice to bitterness. The justice system became so corrupt, people couldn't get justice. People became bitter with the justice system. Uh, It says they lay righteousness to rest in the earth. Another thing that characterized the nation of Israel as it was dying as a nation is that they cast righteousness to the ground as a nation, as a people, as a culture, as a society. They just threw righteousness away. Why does that matter? Well, Proverbs 14 says righteousness exalts a nation. Righteousness exalts a nation. A, A nation is exalted by its rightness with God. But in its final days as a nation, the people, the society, the culture just threw righteousness away. Ezekiel thirty-three eighteen 18 says, when the righteous turns from his righteousness and commits iniquity, he shall die because of it. That's true for a nation as well. When a nation turns from righteousness or casts aside righteousness, that nation will die because of it.
1: The prophet Amos brought a word of judgment to the people. This word began with condemning Damascus, Gaza, and others among the neighbors of Israel. When the people heard these words, they may even have cheered along with the righteous judgment of God on people they knew to be pagan, people who did not believe in the one true God. But imagine how the crowds grew silent when Amos got to the part about Judah where he said, For three transgressions of Judah, and for four, I will not revoke the punishment, because they have rejected the law of the Lord. And then even more when he says the same about Israel, adding, They sell the righteous for silver, and the needy for a pair of sandals. It's easy to celebrate justice when it comes down on our enemies, But it takes humility to see our own sin in the same light. God is a God of justice, but He never leaves anyone without an escape. He calls His people to return to Him. You'll want to keep coming back to hear the hope God offers to the people because He makes the same offer to you. You've been listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. Ring of Truth is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City, located in Columbia, Maryland. If you're in the area, join us for Sunday morning services. Find out more at calvaryec.org. And if you can't join us, you can always find our podcast on iTunes for more great biblical messages. We love being with you today. See you next time for another message here on Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize